Hi everyone, welcome to the Queer Readers Podcast hosted on our Discord server. I'm Alicia, one of the hosts. And I'm Ella, another host. Today we're talking about the secret lives of country gentlemen by KJ Charles. Content warnings include blackmail, groping, threatened sexual assault, kidnapping, assault, attempted murder, and child abuse. Yeah, it definitely gets dark this one. The Secret Lives of Country Gentlemen follows Gareth Ingalls, who, abandoned by his father at a very young age, grows up lonely and very used to disappointment. But this all changes when his estranged father dies, and he goes from a shabby London clerk into Sir Gareth with a grand old house on the remote Romney Marsh, meeting a family who he doesn't know. Whilst he's at Romney Marsh, he stumbles into an old flame in very bad circumstances and things do not go well but they are tied together after he starts getting threatened by strange men and a mystery around guineas and gold on the marsh interferes with their lives so whilst Gareth finds himself threatened on every side he must trust in his old flame both his heart and his life so, we're going to talk about one of our favorite books of this year. Where do we even start? I think, let's talk about Gareth. And his childhood and his father. Because that was, ooh, I think one of the most enraging things. Because, so as I said in the synopsis, he is abandoned by his father. Because it's described in the book. Like his father is a just a very selfish person, and it's one of the characters, um, Catherine Gareth's basically step aunt says that unless something was right in front of him, it just didn't bother him, and so often he would just shove things away, like his own son, because he just didn't want to deal with a sad child. Yeah. I don't remember if you said this earlier, but the reason that Gareth was sent away is because his mom died and he was sad. Yeah, a child is sad that his mother passed away and that's just just too much, too much for Gareth's father to deal with. So he just immediately marries someone else, Elizabeth Bull, and has a daughter with her. And Gareth is sent away to live with his uncle, and his uncle and his cousin are just terrible. And yeah, it's, it's really and- sad because when Gareth goes back to his father's house that he inherits to meet the family, he had always kind of pictured in his head that Elizabeth, his father's wife, had been like kind of an evil stepmother type thing, that she was the reason why he wasn't allowed to go back home. But then his step aunt, Catherine, tells him that no actually Elizabeth really wanted him to come wanted him to like connect with his family but his father just did not care enough to get him back yeah he was like oh yeah like the uncle loved Gareth which is a complete lie but then that was his excuse for not taking Gareth back even though Gareth kept writing letters asking to go home yeah. And it's just like so that there was someone who like wanted to like be his family 
but his father this would rather lump him with people who didn't care about him just to save himself like the effort and this is like another point is that so he's got a half sister Cece or Celia who shall call, his nickname is Cece who didn't even know Gareth existed before her father died and so like when they find out that he's that Gareth has now inherited everything and made no provisions in his will for his daughter she is shocked and so upset and I also can't believe that he did this like it talks about in his will he had never updated it from like this was written from before Gareth was even born because it just said it should all the all the stuff should go to the, like the firstborn son whenever that comes which was good so he never updated it to provide for any kind of like dowry for Cece so like luckily Gareth is very nice and like sets aside some money for that but like imagine if it had been like anyone else he could have just like kicked them out and like they were given nothing Yeah, he Hugo was just honestly an awful person in every regard. Like he married Elizabeth when she was eighteen. Yes, and then even because does she die in childbirth? I'm not sure why Elizabeth died, but then it's like Elizabeth died, but um, her sister Catherine was also living in the house with them, and then. So Hugo was like, oh, here's conveniently another woman, so I don't have to go look for one. Yeah, so without any care for, like, reputation, he just turns his sister-in-law into his mistress. And again, doesn't provide Catherine with anything in his will, because why would he? Why would he care about the people dependent on him? It just, like... There have been a lot of bad dads in KJ Charles' books. Like, I mean, you've got some murderous ones, you've got some alcoholic ones, and all this. But, like, just the selfishness of Hugo was outstanding. And it's just, like, it was breathtakingly just horrendous. Like, because it, it's not even like he was cruel. To, to be intentionally cruel like he wasn't doing it for the sake of it like his intention wasn't to be malicious it was just he didn't care he didn't care to such a level that he just let everyone else suffer as long as he was happy on his little nature walks studying beetles and like whilst it's fun to study beetles maybe Maybe just get your priorities right, man. Oh, I can't. Enrages me. KJ Charles has like such a talent for just writing really, really hateful characters. <laughs> I like. I actually kind of didn't understand why Gareth also got really into Beatles. Like he was like, I want to connect with my dad, and I kind of I felt sorry for him, but at the same time, I'm like, really, you want to connect with this asshole? Like, I understood why, because he spent his whole life not understanding why his father didn't want him. And then this is, like, an avenue into 
knowing the man who wouldn't let Gareth know him, it's like, well, I could maybe this understand like wh- why was my dad so obsessed with these Beatles, but not with me. So I kind of get that like he kind of just wanted to see what was so so much more important than him, and then getting because of manners. The natural world is a pretty cool thing to be obsessed with, but maybe not not at the sake of your family. Beatles are cool, but not that cool. I hate Beatles and all bugs. <laughs> I could never, like, just, like, I see one and I go the opposite direction. I could never just, like, get super close and observe. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, Sarah, so can't. I'm not, not a bug person. Not a big fan of marshes, I'll be honest. And, like, I like to think that I'm pretty adventurous in my reading. And I do read some nonfiction, But I could never read, like, not nature books. Especially, like, ones for insects. I just, they're the one kind of book I can't stand. I can't do it. I'm sorry, I girl. just hate all well, bugs. <laughs> I was I just, like... like- if I want to look at nature, I like looking at like pretty sceneries, but not bugs. Mm. I mean, I also like cute animals. And like, that's about as much as I want to know about natural history, I'll be honest. And maybe I should branch out more, but that day is not today. Yeah. I will stick to my gay romances. <laughs> let's, let's talk a bit about Josh, because I didn't really, I didn't really talk about him much in the synopsis. But Josh Doomsday got together with Gareth like in London and then they had a falling out and then they the way that they get reintroduced to each other is pretty pretty horrendous because Gareth has basically seen Josh's sister Sophie on a smuggling run and Gareth mentions this to his sister Cece's fiance who is a oh he is a revenue officer which is someone who's basically cracking down on smugglers. And so Bovi is the, the officer and he is so excited that they've got a doomsday, that they've got a like key witness and they can like send her down to you know transportation to Australia with this evidence. And Gareth is like kind of kind of really regrets having told Bovi this, but also like is trying to get to know his sister, who is like quite upset about everything that's happened. And so I was like, okay, fine, I'll do this favor for your fiance because I want us to have a good relationship. And Josh is like trying to send Gareth messages to like pull him aside so they can talk to each other because like he knows that it's Gareth and it's no, you know, the guy who we had a relationship in London. But because of like miscommunication and such, that never pans out. And so Josh literally has to like break into the courtroom, like, during Gareth's testimony and like basically blackmail him into not giving evidence against his sister. Which what a, like if that ever happened to me, that would be the most humiliating thing in my life. Because he just retracts his testimony and I would I don't think I could live that down. Like I felt so bad for Gareth. I just realized I forgot period typical homophobia in my <laughs> list of content warnings. I mean, in all fairness, if you're reading a Regency, 
probably should know it's it's gonna be that it's gonna be that yeah like because the blackmail is over their relationship like Josh doesn't really say anything but Gareth is seeing him like he realizes like it's possible Josh will out Gareth as um a gay person and doom him so that's why he retracts his testimony Richmond I'm glad that Sophie didn't end up being transported to Australia so I mean great yeah. outcome bad bad way of going about it I mean I understand why it had to happen but what a way to reunite with your ex. I know. It's like, I could never imagine if that happened to me. I would just leave Romney Marsh altogether. <laughs> yes. So I can't show my face here ever again. But, um, so on Hateful Characters, Josh, who, yeah, runs the smuggling thing, is kind of de facto leader of the smuggling thing. And he's kind of been running it as a child, but the person who was technically the man of the smuggling clan is Elijah, who is um, Josh's, like, his his uncle. Is his uncle. And Elijah is just... I honestly, like, I don't understand why Josh's mother put up with all the shit that her brother did. Because they had this whole thing about how Josh can't really, like, discipline his uncle because his mother would like get on his case about it because she's like because she basically raised her brother Elijah and so she treats him more as like a spoiled son than as a brother and it means that he's gotten away with some horrific things and another content warning but it's basically he has a son called Luke and he has that son because he he raped a woman in the village who then ran away and it's one of the things that Josh is like that's the debt that we can never repay and the fact that like Josh's mum just didn't kick him out after that quite frankly I was a bit I mean I like the mum but that like how is that not crossing the line and then like around it he's he's a drunken the reason why Sophie gets caught by Gareth is because Elijah was on the run with with him and he was like talking so loudly and drawing such attention that that's how Gareth spotted them. So it was really a lot of Elijah's fault that Sophie got caught and put them in that whole situation to begin with. And he's really horrible to Luke. His son, like he's he's beating him. And it's just And also of course he's homophobic and they have um Josh's grandfather is a black man who was a slave in North Carolina, I believe, who managed to escape. And like Elijah says some horrendous stuff about the grandfather, although it's quite fun seeing the grandfather just like deck Elijah. I think one of the best scenes in the book. Spoiler Elijah dies. I'm very happy with that. Oh, so happy. I mean, just fantastic he truly deserved it because it's, it's really sad like he basically sets his son up to i don't know if he set his son up to spy on gareth and josh but essentially luke sees them together and like i don't think he's but he sees it like he sees them kissing and stuff like he knows that they're together and he tells this to elijah so like elijah's 
holding the threat of that over them and like gets Luke involved in it as well and it's just like it's really sad because like Luke really like really loves Josh but also just like wants the love of his father which is just so similar to what Gareth feels and so like is the fact that he's kind of winning to sell Josh out so that he can get some affection from his father that is never going to happen and again spoiler but there's a really horrendous scene where it's all kind of kicking off and Josh is confronting Elijah along with Gareth and Elijah's like saying I know all the stuff you've done I know what the leaks told me everything that you've done with each other and they have a whole fight and then like he he almost kills his own son and like he it's so bad to find like he's got a big like wound on his face but the fact that he would go that far and like Luke is fairly young like a young teenager I believe yeah um Luke is also the main character of book two set 10 years after the secret lives of country gentlemen and I'm excited for his story he deserves like something good after that shit show of a childhood he does I love Luke I love Luke so much and it's it was really great to see Luke and Gareth together because there's this whole thing running through about how the granddad wants Luke to go to to school because he's like clever enough to do that and like he can kind of escape having to work in the smuggling clan um yeah. but elijah is just refusing because of course elijah is because he doesn't want his son doing any better than he's done and so gareth like is talking to him about it and encouraging him and like going through latin primers and all sorts with him which was just oh just like the gareth gets so protective over Luke and it's because they actually call Luke by a nickname so he's called like Goldilocks for the majority of the book until Gareth's like why are you calling him by his actual name maybe just Goldie I'm not sure because I have Goldie this is like when Gareth is asking what Luke's name is and then he's like nobody is called Goldilocks so what's your name (laughs) yeah like, yeah, and like, that, like Gareth just tried to ask this, and then Elijah is like, shut your mouth. And like he threatens, like Elijah, like Gareth is offering to take Luke away and like keep him safe at home. And then Elijah is like, No, you're gonna stay with me, or I'm gonna just beat you up. And it's like when they get Luke back to Gareth's house and Catherine's taking care of him, she says that like she found a really big like butch like boot bruise mark on his back and you just like that's so horrendous. And it's the fact that like because Josh didn't he knew that like he was being hit, but he didn't realise like how bad. And it just gets you that like again. Josh's mom should have done something. It really frustrates me because I think the mom is a great character because she's very much like, you don't dare cross her because like she will whip you with an inch in your life. But it's, I just, I don't understand why she was so blind to her brother and just like let all this happen under her nose. And I know it's not all her fault, but also 
I feel like she defended him way too much. I know. It's like, so right after Elijah stabs Luke or like cuts him through the face, they're explaining to the mom what happened. And then like, so this guy's like, yeah, I just saw him do what he just stabbed, him being Luke or him being Elijah, sorry. And then like, the mom immediately asked, like, where's Elijah? So Joss tells his mom that like he um like beat up Elijah and kicked him out. And then the mom is just like, You raised a hand to your uncle? I'm like, ma'am, he just like tried to kill his son, and this is what you're concerned about. Wait, he almost took out his eye. Like, come on, woman, please. Yeah, I mean- and it's like they're like, no, why, like, why would Luke want to go with Gareth? Like, he doesn't need Gareth's protection in this house. And I'm like, dude, look at what just happened. He's still bleeding. Like, clearly he does. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that Luke has gone to school now. And that he can have all the cake he wants with Catherine. Again, Catherine, just, I loved Catherine. Catherine was great. She's just so supportive and just like, because she's very much a woman who she just, she will do what is ever practical to like keep herself and her niece protected. And like that then also comes to include Gareth, which was really precious to see. <laughs> I really like it when, um, so Josh is like visiting and they're like, they're sleeping in the same bed type thing. And they're staying over and they, their excuse is that Josh is around there to like help protect them because people have been threatening Gareth and the women. And Catherine just turns to him like, should I like put up a little truckle bed in your room or should I not bother? Because if it's all the same to you, I'd rather not go through the effort since we're both on the same page here and it's fine. <laughs> it's such a cute way of just saying yes, I accept you and I know about you. It's like, I don't want to go through the bother of setting up another bed. <laughs> I I kind of want to know what happens to Catherine. I hope we find out later in book two that she's doing well and happy and living her dream after after like the sh- show of Hugo and Gallus. Inglis, whatever his name is. She She's truly like, I want someone as supportive as her in my life. I think we all deserve to have our own Catherine. And Cece really does not know what she has in Catherine. Cece is a very much 17-year-old girl. I mean, she's how old is she? Is she 16 or 17? I think she's 17. Yeah. Um. Okay, yeah, 17. Um, but yeah. She she's very much seventeen years old. I think that's the best way I can put it. I really love whether they're talking because um Bovi, the fiance, and Gareth kind of get into like. Of course, they're not on great terms after Gareth recounts the statement. And there's a few instances where Cece's like she will defend Gareth and then she will defend Bovi, and she kind of like flips side <laughs> quite a bit. And Catherine will say that like. Because Cece will be mad at Gareth, and Gareth's like, what? Turn into Catherine's like, what? I don't understand. What have I done to upset her? 
Agatha's like, oh, well, she just had to, like, defend you quite hard, you know, with Bovi. So she's really mad at you for, like, <laughs> basically having to defend him, like, against her fiancé. So she's just taking it out on Gareth. I hope in 13 years she also grows up. Yes, I mean, bit of a bit of a terrible teenager, definitely. Yeah, but it's hard being 17, but also having a fiancé at 17. I know it's, it's the Regency period, but 17. Uh, just too young. And with someone like Bobby, I mean, come on, Cece. Or they're not better men. <laughs> she better not with um she better not be with Bovi in the next book. I hope not. I feel like I want really her right. and Sophia to get together. Yes, I I definitely ship that. Help her though, because she goes through like because one of the warnings we gave for sexual assault, it was for when she's um attacked by the people who were after the whole kind of guinea mystery. And, like, that's a pretty horrendous thing to go through when you're 17. Oh, and yeah. And, like, scary. people threaten to rape her, and it's, it's awful. Oh, and that, like, because... So you get a part where um, Gareth's uncle and his cousin, like, come to the house. Because they're basically... There's this whole mystery around these, like... I think it's about 10,000 missing guineas... Gareth's uncle and his cousin have like come down to basically like root out information and try and figure out where it is and like try to get out of Gareth. Although Gareth has just, like no idea what's going on. And his cousin keeps like flirting with Cece and like trying to get in with her. And like Gareth feels like really impotent around it because he knows that like if he tries to ban Cece from seeing him, then it like he'll he becomes like a romantic hero and like they'll you know as a teenager would do if you tell her not to do something she'll immediately go do it <laughs> there's a really horrible moment where like in the climax of the mystery of the book when gareth has like been kidnapped by his cousin and he like threatens to go back and get Cece and like torture her and like basically that and to rape her like in front of gareth until he'll give all the information. And it's like just so horrendous like seeing him like butter up Cece when like that's what he's willing to do to get the money. Yeah, okay. Something you said earlier about how they came to stay with um Gareth. It's kind of like so awful. Like so Uncle Henry and cousin Lionel, they they come here and they they just like invade his house and refuse to leave. Oh my god! Yeah, like my like he keeps trying to break into um it, the office, and like Gareth has to like keep locking it, and he tries to like order around Catherine as well, and it's just like where do you get the audacity? And I'm glad that Gareth stood up for himself because like it's quite cute. Like Josh and Gareth just like okay. We're making a pact. We've both got to deal with our, like, really horrible uncles. And if we both deal with them, then we've got everything solved. Yeah. I'm looking for that scene where Lionel, he's, um, like, with some aristocratic woman or something. And then the doomsday 
clan comes and humiliates him and like the ladies are just oh more silk products or whatever oh it's fantastic because it's, it's amazing he gets his just desserts and it's oh because well, like Lionel is basically trying to pick a fight with with Gareth I can't remember something to do with the mummy but basically like, then He's kicked. He's kicked out his uncle at that point, and so Lionel and like the family he's staying with, or like that's not very gentlemanly of you. That's super rude. And Gareth is just like, I mean, he, his uncle was horrible, so of course he kicked him out. Blah blah blah. And then like it almost dissolves into a fight until like Josh intervenes, and like Luke else at this point because like he this is after he's been like injured by his dad. So he's got like a really big wound on his face. Lionel makes like a really horrible comment about it. And of course everyone hears this and then like Sophia's just like off in the distance like saying, oh that poor child, that motherless like orphan child who's now been like so horribly attacked by Lionel and like this is after feeding a load of gossip to the like the women in the family that he's staying with saying that like he's getting all handsy with the maids at the certain inn. And all the look of disgust on these women's faces is just living for it. <laughs> yeah, like Lionel is a bully. Like he's good at making himself look good, but in the end, he's just a bully. And what happens to him is also great. Yes. Well, I feel like need- to explain that, we need to delve into the whole Guinea mystery. Yes. But also, I just want to say, this book, very cathartic. All the bad people get bad ends. Like, very yes, bad ends. In our um, Q&A session that we had with KJ Charles, someone, uh, I can't remember what the question was, but in answer, KJ Charles said that she, kind of, her favourite thing is to have a HFA, which is happy and fuck you ending, which is definitely what KJ Charles just perfects. Like, fan sinister, Lily White Boys, Gentle Art of Fortune Hunting, also fantastic. Just like, it's just so satisfying with the romance where, like, when you get these really hateful characters and they just get everything they fucking deserve. People do not need redemption arcs. Some people just need to suffer. Yes. Whilst our hero triumphs and falls in love. The big, big mystery in this, the reason why these random sinister strangers are coming in to sneak up on Gareth and, like, assault him and stuff is because maybe there are possibly 10,000 stolen guineas hidden in the marsh somewhere in this wide expanse of land. And they think that um, Gareth, who has been... Doing the naturalist thing, looking for beetles in his father's book. They think that because he's been walking all around the marsh looking for beetles, that he's been investigating the location of this treasure. What? What a bad miss. What bad luck. <laughs> I mean, I just, I find that kind of hilarious. Her, it's like, it's like, because like, imagine someone telling you like, tell me where the treasure is or I'm going to kill you. And then it's like, I, I don't know of any treasure. I'm just looking at beetles. <laughs> I just want to look at my poor beautiful beetles. 
Yeah, um, so it's like this convoluted thing where they were. I think this is during the time of the Napoleon War. It is, and yeah. Smug- yeah, and they're smuggling gold out to the French and getting money for that. And Uncle freaking Henry, he stole. He's a lawyer and he's in charge of a bunch of estates. And he stole money from his clients in order to like smuggle it to France and like earn a profit for himself. But then, because he's like a scumbag and doesn't want to get his hands dirty, he used um, Hugo as an intermediary, I think. So then, like, the gold would go to um, Hugo first, and then Hugo would get it to France so that Henry never had any direct connection to the smuggling. But then at one point, Hugo was like, Okay, but I only make like some profit when I like do all this work. What if I just steal all the gold and then I tell Henry that it went missing overseas and then I get to keep all the gold? Um, I mean, look, these are just two of the most selfish brothers I can possibly think of. Which I mean, why they trusted each other with this, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, they're all trying to figure out where did Hugo put the gold in this, like, huge marsh? And then there's this other smuggling clan, Sweetwater, and while the head of the Sweetwater clan isn't involved, his brother is, and, like, so these are the... Like, these people kind of have a rivalry with the Doomsday clan, and they're also the people who've been going around and threatening Gareth. And they also murdered Elijah. I think that was, like, their one good contribution in this book. (laughs) Yeah. Like, props on them for that, although not so great otherwise. Yeah, but, like, at one point, like, at the end, they, they tied Gareth up at some cliff and they just wait for high tide to come in and drown him and then they, they're going off to rape Cecilia yeah so they were just gonna let Gareth drown if they did really awful stuff to Cece which like I mean this book gets dark I mean definitely not one of the dark because like the lady white boys definitely gets quite dark but like Jesus Christ it was such an intense ending yeah, it was. It it went from like zero to one hundred and thirty seconds. Yeah, or Gareth three is, uh, seconds, you know, drowning in cold sea water. Yeah, and like Lionel also gets murdered by the Sweetwater Clan. Justifiable ending for him, but he does right. I'm not making it up. Yeah, yeah. So it's um. um I think Gareth basically asked Bill to uh, to shoot him. I think Lionel. Oh, yeah. He's like, why would you keep him around? If you shoot him, you get even more of the money. Which, I mean, true. It's very true. Like, why would you give any anything to Lionel at this point, quite frankly? Lionel deserves nothing. He just, yeah, but the person who saves Gareth's life is little Luke. He he sees them drag off like Gareth off and like attempt to drown him and he follows them and like he runs back to get Joss to save 
Gareth, and it's, I don't know, I, I really like Luke. I think he made some poor decisions in his book, but he's also a teenager. He gets a break. He definitely. And also a shitty father. Yeah, had a horrible father. It was, because it was like, without Luke, there was no way they would have found Gareth in time. Because they basically lured him out because they stole the letter that Josh had written to Gareth to begin with to like try get him to like talk to him in private before he gave evidence against his sister. So they had just stolen that letter from Josh's rooms and then sent that along to Gareth. So Gareth thinks he's going up to meet with Josh like in their usual kind of little like hut that they used to meet each other in. And then he just gets locked in. And then tied up and dragged around Rodney Marsh to find the coins. I mean, like, moral of the story, don't leave evidence lying around. Burn everything. Yeah, burn everything. (laughs) Use it to lure your boyfriend out onto the marsh. But um, we never find out what happened to the guineas. Like, we don't know if they're... on the marsh if they're buried somewhere and i hope we find out in book two because that's a lot of money just sitting in dirt i trust that luke will find it he is a clever boy yes luke deserves ten thousand guineas i actually don't even know how much a guinea is uh i mean oh no it is a pound and a shilling i think oh what is a shilling oh don't ask me don't know (laughs) something are you calculating how much that's worth present day ish i don't right i'm so sure i saw a thing where a guinea was worth a pound and a shilling because what's the point in a guinea being because i got here saying that it's worth a pound but what's the point of a guinea being worth a pound when you already have pounds wasn't at least in the book something about how guineas are gold and instead of being yeah so that was why they kept shipping it to france and like this is and again like josh makes the point of like they smuggle like whilst they're smugglers like they smuggle like brandy and like stuff because essentially they had because they're at war with france they had all these like embargoes so like you had all these people in Rodney Marsh with, like, sheep wanting to sell, like, all the fur, which they would normally sell the, all the wool to France, but because the embargo, they just have all this wool lying around that they can't do anything with. And, of course, the government doesn't care that they can't sell all this wool, and they still have to pay all their rent, but why would they give a fuck about that? Because this is the English government, who are just so fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, and so, so France is desperate for gold. And one way that they can get gold is by basically English people shipping over guineas, which are made of gold. And so Napoleon is willing to pay more than what a guinea is worth just so he has gold in the bank because of all the wars that he's fighting. So what they're doing is basically treason because they're helping fund Napoleon's war, which is against England, which is just big old treason. So, of course... Of course, Gareth's dad and his uncle are involved in this because why wouldn't they be? But on this topic about the government, one of the things that 
like Josh's Josh and Gareth kind of get into an argument with is basically like the government's plan for the marsh for like in case France invade, which is basically to just flood the entire marsh and all the people on it to keep the French off for a bit longer. And guess guess what they have an escape plan for? For the sheep. So like they have a plan to get the sheep off the marsh because the sheep are important. The sheep give bring the money. But not the people. So like if France were to invade, and I didn't know this, they were just willing to let all these people just drown along with the French so they're at the mercy of the French soldiers. And then they're also being drowned by their own government. They would have lost everything if France invaded. And a lot of it due to their own government, not even to the French. Like, when I read that, I was so angry, along with Josh. I mean, like, it's, it gets you to sympathize with the smugglers. Like, never really thought of, I mean, I want to think of smugglers. I think of people just, like, trying to ship, like, brandy and stuff around. I never really given much thought as to why these people are smuggling. And Josh is like, there is no other way that they can survive. And that whilst whilst they are at war with France and whilst they don't want to commit treason, the government aren't helping them deal with the effects that their government have, like, that their policies have put in, to, like, with all the embargoes against France. So they're suffering. The government aren't doing anything about it and still expect them to pay their taxes and pay their rent whilst they ha- they can't sell any of their stuff and it's just so classic they'll put in all these rules that really negatively affect the income of you know these people who need that income to survive or they have nothing and it's taken away from them and then the government just say oh well, it's all it's all your fault we're not going to do anything about it even though we're the ones who put you in the situation. But we won't do anything. What we will do is save the sheep. I just, that is, I mean, I feel like the government are still kind of doing stuff like that to this day. So I don't think they've changed all that much. I'm not mad at Tories, I swear. I promise. Yeah. Totally not mad. <laughs> I was not ranting. Okay. Do you want to finish talking about the romance? Okay, yeah. So, the romance. Very sweet romance. It was, like, the beginning of their romance that really got me. Because it was, like, the fight that they had. Because they basically met up at a pub in London. They're getting together and they called each other London and Kent. Because, like, they're not going to give their real names. And, like, they're really, like, charmed with each other. And it's it's all it's all very cute and it's great. And then Josh kind of breaks it to Gareth that he's gotta go back home. So he's leaving for a bit. With the intention of saying that, oh well maybe we could like meet up later if he gave me like somewhere to write to you or something. But before he can really say that, because of all the backstory that Gareth has with his dad and like with people abandoning him, he takes it very badly and then just really lashes out at Josh. And then just, like, basically breaks up with the intention of, like, never seeing him again. And he knows that, like, he sh- he shouldn't have done that. And because 
also on that say he'd been fired by his uncle because of this like he won't know it, but it's because like of this whole guinea situation with his father so he's been fired as a clerk so he's had he's fired he doesn't know what he's gonna do and then like this guy who he really likes is saying that he's got to go back home and he just poor boy does not take it well <laughs> yeah i mean it's like it's bad communication fueled by um like so insecurity uh, yeah and then like when they re-meet again it's also more bad communication like gareth refusing to hear out the messenger because he thinks he's being bribed or threatened or something and he's like no i'm above this and he's it's like there's whole this whole thing in the marsh about how like you're either one of them or you're out marsh and like so not one of them yeah you're either a marsh man or out marsh and Gareth has this whole thing of he's just he's never really had a home never felt like he's belonged anywhere and he he just wants to be a marsh man he just wants to like be accepted it doesn't start off great you know testifying against Sophie but it's it's when they get to the point where he is like being protected by Gareth because like he's he's a marsh man that I think that's that was very cute yeah, and I think they they have some good moments together. The smut is very good as well. Um, but it's also just like they're they're because before back in London, like it was just it was purely sex. But now here they're having like a real relationship. They're like spending time together. Sophie makes up this like bunker for them to sleep in. It's one of the abandoned cottages out there. <clears throat> Um, but yeah, like they just like the book, there's a lot of action and suspense and things happening, but they also have like good downtime moments. And I think it's very well paced and balanced between having things move forward and having time for us and them to breathe. Yeah, they're just they're very supportive of each other. And they're just like they're trying to plan everything, try to do together. And then they have some tiffs where it's essentially Josh not telling Gareth a lot of what's happening and then Gareth finding out and like being really upset because you know they want to be in it together and Gareth Josh is kind of trying to do things his own way but that also stems from him having to run his family's like smuggling ring for such a young age like he's just so used to taking over and being in charge and like not giving people like all the information so it's like kind of learning not to treat gareth in that same way as she can treat him as an equal they both have issues basically (laughs) they have a good relationship overall and and also joss saves his life and lets the smugglers kill the bad guys it's swoony swoon worthy very swoon worthy yeah and that like at the end they Joss is the one to say, no, we're not going to go after the gold because too many people have died after. It is blood money. Yeah. And and they live happily ever after. I really can't wait to see them in the second book just being like, just like the perfect pair of gay uncles who just support Luke. Yes, I need this. Okay. 
Book two is A Nobleman's Guide to Seducing a Scoundrel. It's Luke's book. It's coming out September 19th, 2023, and it's available for pre-order now. I cannot wait to get my hands on it. I'm desperate. Yes, same. I'm going to get it the day it comes out. And the cover is also gorgeous, so you know everyone should buy it. And get a physical copy as well. Get the ebook, get the physical copy. Get every single version you can get. Yes, and well, that is our talk today on the secret lives of country gentlemen. Not realize I had so much to say about it, but I did. I could not stop talking. <laughs> that's a charm of Kaja Charles. Like when you start actually talking about the books, there is just so much to mention and so much to highlight. I mean, the book is only three hundred and fifty-four. Wait, three hundred and fifty-two pages, but. Like, there are, like, every word is important, and there's no filler. KJ Charles is very good at just getting to the bone of the situation very quickly, and I I love writing like that. Whilst I do that with some purple prose, I do like just clean, elegant, effective writing. Yes, and like the mystery is well woven. I think that's always the part I care the most about because I'm a mystery yeah. reader at heart. And I really enjoyed this mystery. That's a bombastic ending. Yes, all right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And you can come join our Discord server and chat with us directly. Yes, and so we had uh we have hosted a a uh, kind of week-long Q&A with KJ Charles. It is now over, but if you if you haven't joined the server and you're listening to this, um, you should definitely join us and then you can read all the answers that KJ Charles has given because she gave so many delightful answers. Like, I've, it's been such a joy to read all of them. And if you want to be able to do this kind of thing with our future spotlights, because we occasionally get authors on here, for these um, text Q&As, then yeah, you just need to join the server and it'll be all up and ready for you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.